For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Here you go. Here you go. Elimination. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Just like that. 24 hours after the playoffs started in Major League Baseball, there are already four teams facing elimination today. It can happen quick, just like life. Just ask Ferris Bueller. I want to talk about the four games that happened yesterday, but before you fast forward, I'm not giving you a recap of who hit home runs and who played bad defense or good defense or who pitched well. I want to talk about a few things that happened in each of these games that surprised me, and I think will interest you. Let's start with the Rangers-Rays game. It was the first game of the day. I'm watching the game, and I'm looking around, and the first thing I notice, there's a lot of empty seats. I didn't know because they didn't show me a proper camera angle. I wasn't sure the extent of the empty seats in Tampa for game one of the National League wildcard round, of the American League wildcard round. But different first base, third base angles. Side note, there's a secret that we have when we operate teams with low attendance. We keep track of the camera angles. We know what angles our network is showing. And we put people in seats like behind the first baseman, behind the third baseman, because there's a first base camera and there's a third base camera and there's a center field camera. So one of the biggest shots that you see, the big, the most frequent shot you see during a game are the people sitting behind the plate. So it was always important to us to have people sitting behind the plate. Then when the third base camera is on, you're looking behind the first baseman, there's a section that's a little bit toward the outfield of first base, you want that section full. Same on the third base side. There's nothing you can really do about the home run shot because if there aren't people in the outfield, it's not ideal, but you don't really place people there on the thought that there's a home run because the view is, hey, if it's a home run, people have enough time to congregate to where the ball is going to land and it won't look too empty. Tampa didn't do anything about its attendance last night. And in the postseason, you cannot make up your attendance. When the Marlins were in the postseason in 03, the first game we hosted was game three against the San Francisco Giants. And I remember that it was not a sellout at pro player, keeping in mind that a sellout in pro player would be 65,000 people. Did not expect there to be 65,000 people. But after game three, of that first series against the Giants, every postseason game that we hosted, which is one more against the Giants, three against the Cubs, and three against the Yankees, there were 65,000 people. And the way the attendance works is that MLB does it. 
they work with our finance department, they work with our ticket office, and then they announce the attendance. The reason why you can't make up attendance in the postseason is you're sharing revenue with the union, you're sharing revenue with the players, you're sharing revenue with the league, you get to keep some revenue. It's completely audited by everyone. There's no monkey business. So in Tampa, when they announced 19,704 people, that's the number of people who are there. Now for a basketball game, that's a sellout, way to go. The world's greatest arena, if you get 19,763, you're sold out. Tampa and MLB got together in a bit of PR and made sure that you read an article that stated while attendance was low at 19,704, it's approximately 5,000 below capacity. And I looked at that and said, that's complete horse hockey. The capacity of the TROP is not 25,000 people. And then I realized what they were doing. They want to say they were only 5,000 below capacity, but they're not counting the upper deck. As a connoisseur of closing the upper deck and understanding exactly the savings that you get from not opening the upper deck, I get it. But in the playoffs, you sure as heck better open the upper deck. Stu Sternberg, the owner of the Rays, is watching his team lose to the Rangers, watching his team continue to struggle offensively in the playoffs. They're on a streak. Last year, they lost to the Guardians in the wild card round. I think they scored zero or one run in all the innings in the two games. And there were 24 innings because the elimination game, as I recall, with the Guardians went 15 innings or something, and they scored zero or one run total. But if I'm Stu Sternberg, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm looking out at the attendance. I'm calculating the amount of money that I'm putting into a new ballpark right next door to the existing ballpark. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I investing in St. Pete? This is not the right place for a ballpark. This is not the right city for a team. And then Stu Sternberg looks to his left. He sees the president of the Rays and says, show me the financials again. Let me see exactly how much money we're making from all this real estate we're going to develop around the site and the control we have over all the acres and show me the stress test against your financials where we don't draw anybody to the new ballpark. Because if we're drawing 19,000 people to a playoff game, we are absolutely screwed on the baseball side. But make sure we're doing a great deal on the real estate side. The only way they put a shovel in the ground in St. Pete is if their numbers show them and the banks that they've gone to have been convinced that the development in St. Pete that they will control and monetize is enough to pay the debt service and carry the loss leader that will be the stadium. It's damn embarrassing that MLB's first postseason game of the year, after talking about how great attendance was, after having a huge press conference announcement about the Rays getting their stadium finally, having words leak out about how expansion may be on the front burner. They're going to accelerate it. All these cities want baseball. We cured what's wrong in Tampa. We're going to vote on Oakland relocating to Vegas in November. Everything's coming up roses. You think baseball sits around and says, man, we're not even solving the Tampa problem. But with the new stadium, we'll just kick it down the can. Yeah, I just mixed a metaphor. 4869. With the new stadium, we'll just kick it down the road. 
We'll take this problem and we'll worry about it later. Not too dissimilar to what happened in Miami. Get the new stadium done. Let's see the projections as though you draw 2 million people. And then we'll figure out what happens when you don't, but you'll have a new stadium. So you won't be on the list of issues. You'll get revenue sharing and we'll worry about another city another time. What else could the possible reason be that people didn't go to the game yesterday? You're going to hear several excuses around the internet and by team executives off the record, on the record, MLB off the record, on the record. It was an afternoon game, a three o'clock start. They only found out the time the day before. Tickets did not go on sale until only a day before. So there'd be no reason in the world that we could have expected a sellout. I am trying to tell you that that line of reasoning in the days when there were paper tickets was still horse hockey. Now that everything's electronic, there's no delay in distribution of tickets. There's no figuring out how do we get tickets in people's hands? How do we deal with the lines that will call? What are we going to do? It's all digital. It happens instantaneously. And yet Tampa still didn't even open the upper deck and they still couldn't sell out the lower deck. That was the most interesting part of the Rangers Rays game. The second most interesting part of the Rangers Rays game was in the middle of the game, I got 1994 OJ Simpson vibes. If you know, you know. I happen to have been flex, brag, look at me, Louie, at the NBA Finals game at the Garden in June of 94 when the chase of the white Bronco took place. And the broadcast was interrupted to show the chase. All of a sudden, I'm watching the Ranger Rays game and it's in between innings and there's a breaking news alert. And I'm thinking they're breaking news into the game. It's on ABC. They wouldn't break in news on ESPN unless it were sports related. So it's got to be business related or politically related. Breaking news. And then they drop the bomb. The Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, was voted out of office. They did a quick in-between inning break to tell you that history was made yesterday way more significant than 19,000 people at the game, way more significant than what's going on with the writer's strike, which is now over, SAG-AFTRA, United Auto Workers, Kaiser Permanente, collective bargaining with the players, what you're doing on a Tuesday night with your family and friends. It's never happened before. The Democrats combined with this runaway right-wing Trumpian Republicans and voted out, actually removed Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. So now there's no Speaker of the House, which means there ain't no business being done, which means they better get a new Speaker in before the shutdown deadline comes again, because then millions of you are going to be impacted. Anybody who gets a government check. I guess that was breaking newsworthy. It's never a good sign when a party, in this case, the Republican Party, they're like eating each other. 
Democrats trying to take advantage of it, except throwing the country and Congress into chaos. I'm not a big fan of taking advantage of something in a way that is not actually beneficial to you. I'm not sure that the Democrats benefit from the way they all look now on Capitol Hill. So that's happening during the game. And then I'm looking at all the TV shots. I'm looking because they show during the game, they show the dugout, they show the managers, they'll show the GM, they'll show the team president, they'll show the owner. And I was thinking about my friend, Chris Young, who is the general manager of the Rangers, president of baseball operations. I'm not sure which title he has. I do know that I worked with him in the commissioner's office, former player. You may remember him as a player, the tall, uh, the tall pitcher. He moved into the commissioner's office and was immediately a rising star. He was hired by Texas to be the assistant to John Daniels to learn how to run a team. Texas fired John Daniels and then promoted Chris Young to head the baseball operations department. Then they got a ballpark built and they have spent a fortune on free agents in Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager in Jacob DeGrom. And this year they're in the playoffs and they had a chance to win their division and they lost three out of four to Seattle at the end of the season, which forced them to fly from Seattle all the way to Tampa and have to win two out of three in Tampa, of which they've won the first. So now they have to only win one of the next two and they'll get to the division series. But Chris Young had a bit of a PR issue yesterday where he was forced to explain why there was a celebration on Saturday night when the Rangers clinched a playoff spot, but not yet the division. They had to win Sunday in the final game of the regular season to win the division, and they lost one nothing. And there was a thought that they were hungover, that they were tired, that they didn't care. And they thought came from the huge celebration that took place upon making the playoffs. There was a MLB.com writer, a Houston writer, and he came out saying the Rangers were partying. It's likely that they were hungover, drunk, et cetera. Chris Young had to answer that on the eve of the playoffs and say, it's pretty poor journalism, impugning McTaggart's journalistic integrity. I find it ridiculous that that's even a subject, honestly, talking about whether it's team celebrated. This is the most professional, responsible group of players that I've ever been around. We had a very subdued champagne popping, but beyond that, there was no partying. Nothing outlandish. These guys had earned the right to pop those bottles, and that was the extent of our celebration, and it had no impact on Sunday's game. So let me tell you how champagne celebrations work because they definitely have an impact on the next day's game. Players don't get drunk from the champagne sprain. Champagne sprain, by definition, is your sprain people and then the people who are weak put goggles on. The rest of us enjoy the sting when you can't see a thing, your eyes are blurry and your eyes sting and you're sticky for like seven hours after you leave the clubhouse. The clubbies come in and they have to clean the whole carpet. They're up all night. Even though they put plastic over the lockers and over the carpet, there's a huge cleaning job. They have to get the stink out because the rule for me was when we come in the next day, 
back to business. We don't want to smell that champagne. Enjoy that moment now. Players don't get drunk during the champagne celebration on the champagne, but they do go out after games and after a clincher, and they may do a bit of celebrating. Of course, they do the same thing losing on a Wednesday in June, but I digress. The Texas Rangers were very aware of what was at stake on Sunday. There was no difference in the result of the game because of what took place Saturday night. I absolutely agree with Chris Young. George Kirby is what happened. He's the pitcher for the Mariners. He's what's happened, what happened to the Texas Rangers. But it got me thinking about when you should celebrate and when you shouldn't. We had a conversation 20 years ago. This is the 20 year anniversary of the World Series. I actually have the ring with me. I'm gonna wear it on Levitard today, live at 9 a.m. Just to remind all the Marlins fans what they're after. This ring, that's all, that's all that matters. Getting a ring. When we made the playoffs, we clinched the wild card on a Saturday and we had a major celebration, partied, smoked cigars. It was absolutely outstanding. Came in the next day, still won a game because Jack McKean wanted to win it for me. So my prediction on the number of season wins would come true. That's why my nickname is Sparky and my favorite number is 91 because I predicted before the season started, we'd win 91 games. We won our 90th game on the Saturday to clinch and then won our 91st game on the last game of the season. So I looked prescient like Nostra frickin' Damas. Players walked in on that Sunday tired, motivated only because Jack said, please, let's get this game for Sparky. We then go to San Francisco, lose game one. After game one, you have three games that you have to win out of four. When you lose a game one in a three game series, you have to win two out of two. We had way more space. Winning three out of four is way easier than winning two out of two. All of that said, the celebration after we beat San Francisco, it was muted. Because our view was that we wanna celebrate making the playoffs, but once we're in the playoffs, the next celebration is winning the pennant. After we beat San Francisco at pro player on an amazing throw by Jeff Conine to get JT Snow out at the plate, maybe one of the most famous plays in non-World Series history to end that series. We go to the clubhouse, we hug, we jump around, no champagne, no sprain, no nothing. May have had a cigar, hugs, photos, that's it. Winning the wild card round, winning the division series, I want a pennant. When you win the pennant, it means your coaching staff is going to the All-Star game next year. When you win the pennant, it means you're getting jewelry because the World Series ring is what everyone's after. But in addition, you get a ring when you win the pennant. It's called the pennant ring. People don't really wear those unless they don't have World Series rings and then they wear the pennant rings. But if you have a pennant ring and a World Series ring, you don't get both the same year. If you win the World Series, you only get the World Series ring. And if you have a World Series ring, you wear that forever. No matter how many pennant rings you get for the rest of time, you win the World Series ring because the World Series is the World Series. The pennant is damn cool. The wild card round, the division series, it's fine. But these days, there's a different philosophy. And I think I've bought into it. 
It's the hay if you smoke them. God damn it, Coca. Four, this is live, right? 4869. The modern day philosophy is if you got them, smoke them. Meaning, whenever you have something to celebrate, let's do full out, wrap the clubhouse in plastic, get out the champagne, spray it all over each other, and make the clubbies clean. I guess I don't find that to be horrifically bad. The Rangers Rays play game two today. The Rays go with Zach Elfin, Eflin, <laughs> and the Rangers go with Nathan Eovaldi, the former Marlin, former Dodger, former Red Sox. I'll give you my pick in a minute. Then I went ahead and watched one of my picks of the day, and I watched the Twins and the Blue Jays. Who would think that yesterday the Twins would snap their 18-game playoff skid? Who would think a guy that played 70 games over two years, that's it, comes in and hits two home runs? I'm talking about Royce Lewis. He may be the best player you've never heard of. As a matter of fact, everyone on that team, other than Carlos Correa, you may never have heard of. Their starting pitcher was the former Marlon Pablo Lopez. Pitched great. And the Blue Jays did what I was afraid they would do, but didn't think would actually happen. And that's the takeaway from that game. People say that the playoffs, it's a brand new start. A brand new world. Generally, you are who you are, and that continues in the playoffs. The Blue Jays have been disappointing. Their lineup has been mediocre. I forgot to mention how bad the race defense was, but I was just thinking about what happens during the regular season can often happen in the playoffs. The Blue Jays did not look sharp. They didn't look like they wanted or needed to try to beat the Twins who don't win playoff games. And then the Twins said, different year, different opponent. You don't look like the Yankees. You don't feel like the Yankees. You certainly don't sound like the Yankees. We're going to win a playoff game. And so they did. Kevin Gausman, their Cy Young candidate, ended up having his like shortest start of the season. Having nothing to do with there being a quick hook in the playoffs where you can say, hey, everyone has short starts. No, that's not how it works at all. You want your starter to go as deep as possible when you're playing potentially three games in a row and you've got to take two of those three. And then I got to watch the Brewers and the Diamondbacks and I was texting with Marlins man, wondering what the hell he was doing at that game and why he wasn't in Philly rooting on the Marlins. He said, David, I had plans to be in Milwaukee. So I'm in Milwaukee. Yeah, but the Marlins are in the playoffs and you're a Marlins fan. You're the Marlins man. Jeter's gone. It's okay. It's safe to go back. I can't believe you were not in Philadelphia. The Marlins are so fun to cheer for. So the Diamondbacks and Brewers play their game in Milwaukee. Corbin Burns on the mound. And the top two starters for the Diamondbacks are being saved for games two and three because the Diamondbacks needed to use them in order to even make the playoffs. Whereas the Brewers set up the rotation, which means the Brewers had the advantage. They were a pick of the day. Everything was coming up roses. And then Corbin Burns is giving up home runs like he's last year's Garrett Cole. And the Diamondbacks won game one on the road. Let's talk about winning game one on the road in the wild card series when you're playing three straight road games and you've got to win two out of three on the road. Taking game one when it's not your best pitcher against the other team's best pitcher, the Milwaukee Brewers are on the edge. The Brewers have to beat Zach Gallen and Kelly in games two and three. 
the regular Brewers number three starter Woodruff is hurt. They'll send out Peralta today. Did they even announce tomorrow, Coco, who the Brewers are going to have to play in a pitch in a game three? I guess they could go with Miley. For the Milwaukee Brewers to have won their division, then to be eliminated within two or three days, that is the definition of baseball depression. You leave that season with a terrible taste in your mouth, whether you're a fan, whether you're an executive, because that is the downside of the wild card round. When the one division winner who doesn't get the buy, who's forced to play the wild card round and then can't advance past the lowest seeded wild card, irony of ironies, the Diamondbacks weren't the number six seed until the last day. I still think the Brewers are going to come back, by the way. Although I have no reason to believe that. None. It's just hope, I guess. And then I settled in for my Marlins and Phillies. That's a crowd. 45,000 screaming people all wearing the same color. That's a baseball city. Not as good as St. Louis. Not as good as Chicago or Boston. But it's in the top five. And they want to finish this off this year. They don't want to get to the World Series like they did last year. They like their pennant ring. They want to win the World Series. The Marlins were going with their best pitcher, Lizardo. Did you see the picture, Coca? The picture for the Marlins is from Miami and went to game three in Miami of the 2003 World Series. And there's a picture of him being held with his dad, by his dad. And it made me one part sad, one part happy. One part happy that I could make a memory for him as a child, and then he comes back and pitches for his hometown team in the playoffs. It's insane how cool that is, how rare that is. The reason I was sad is that I could never make that memory for my own son, who was born in 03, never got to go to a playoff game, or for the entire generation of fans who grew up and then went off to school or moved out of Florida, and we never gave them a playoff experience from 04 to 17. That was in my head a lot yesterday, watching the Phillies Marlins. It's in my head every year when I watch the playoffs, I think about my experience. But when the Marlins are in the playoffs, I'm so thankful for the people who are getting to enjoy it. And it really opens a wound for how much I failed in getting our team back after 2003. The thing about getting to the playoffs is that it's really hard. There are some teams who just do it matter of factly, but for the majority of us in that room, it's damn hard. All right, pick of the day. I'm 135 and 141. We had an accounting issue. Coca went back and went through every pick for this year. I thought that we were a little better. I think maybe I thought we were 134 and 139 right now, but we're actually 135 and 141. I miscalculated somewhere. Coca found it. I lost both games yesterday, and I'm sorry. It's actually embarrassing. Blue Jays over the Twins was a loss. Brewers over the Diamondbacks was a loss. How one of those didn't win is beyond me. We're back at it today, though, with a double pick. The road to postseason success with the nothing personal pick of the day sponsored by is starting now. There's no way the Diamondbacks are sweeping the Brewers. I refuse to acknowledge that the Brewers will be swept away. I'm sorry. We're taking the Brewers again over the Diamondbacks. And I'm most sorry about my second pick. 
as I examine the fact that Aaron Nola gets to go against Braxton Garrett, a former draft pick of ours, no Braxton well, quality major league pitcher. The Marlins are overmatched offensively. They're overmatched in pitching. Philadelphia will finish the Marlins. They don't want to go to a deciding third game on Thursday. They want to get this series done and get ready for Atlanta. So I am looking for the Phillies to end the Marlins season, which will still be and should be looked at as a huge success given their injuries. Great deadline pickups in Berger and Bell, but I'm still taking the Phillies over the Marlins. Okay, when we come back, we're going to review the third season of the Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez series on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. And then we're going to talk about a team that's not in the playoffs, whose president of baseball operations did something yesterday that may be a top five soundbite for stupidity of all time. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca. We're here with you every day, 8 to 845. Thank you for being with us, for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Thanks to everybody who went on to davidsampsonpodcast.com and bought the new Wait to See t-shirts. We already have a winner because one of you exactly predicted what the next t-shirt will be that is released in November. First week of November, maybe right the day after the World Series ends, we could release a Coca, something to think about. Thank you for all the questions you bring, all the comments, and for your loyalty. We do not take it for granted. Please manifest that loyalty by subscribing on our YouTube page and getting people to do the same. Steve Martin has been one of my favorites. Steve Martin and Martin Short and Father of the Bride. Steve Martin and Martin Short and Three Amigos. Steve Martin and Martin Short could do anything together, and I'm going to be happy. It's going to remind me of an easier time when I was younger, when I would laugh a lot, smile a lot, and have no cares in the world. Going back and watching old stand-up by Steve Martin makes me smile. King Tut, if you know, you know. The arrow going through his head. The white suit. Then he started making great movies. Then he started making serious movies. Then he realized that he, sort of like Robin Williams, has the capacity to entertain across the entire broad spectrum of entertainment. He can write books. He's written some of the best books I've ever read, Steve Martin. He can act in comedies that are dumb, that are smart. He can act in dramas. 
He's now in Only Murders in the Building, which is a three-season show heading toward a fourth season where each year someone gets murdered and then they have to figure out who's going to do it, who did it. And they do it in the form of a podcast. Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Slita Gomez combine to record a podcast and each episode of the season is an episode of the podcast. It's brilliantly conceived in that it combines what is now with two older men who in theory would not have the ability to understand what's going on now in technology or what people want or how they engage with content. So they combine the two old men with a hip social media, brilliant star singer, actress, Selena Gomez, who plays that sort of character, not a celebrity, but that sort of young, hey, old guys, I'll take care of you. Hey, old guys, what are you doing? That's her character. And she's really good at it. Then the guy who was naked on Broadway was in this season. And then Meryl Streep and Paul Rudd. Every year so far, they've made it fresh, they've made it funny, and they've made it nominated. If you are a fan of Only Murders in the Building, season three will not let you down. They are three for three in their seasons. If you haven't started watching Only Murders in the Building, go back to the beginning and watch season one and let the buildup of their brilliance wash over you. Okay. One of you asked a question and you're, and I appreciate when you get on Twitter at David P. Sampson. I like that. I appreciate when you go on davidsampsonpodcast.com, enjoy the merchandise, and then ask a question. One of you wanted to know about the Mariners, and I started thinking about your team. We've got a nice audience in Seattle. We're appreciative. And we've got a bunch of people who are Mariners fans outside of Seattle, which is cool. You've got a guy who runs your baseball department who's been doing it since 2016. His name is Jerry DePoto. You've got a Mariners team that had a huge playoff drought that was ended last year. You have a guy who told you that this is our moment. It's championship or bust. We're going in, we're improving. We're gonna help our offense. We're gonna come back and we are going to get it done. You have a team that on September 1st was tied for first in their division. Remember after their great August, they were tied for first for the AL West. Seattle, Texas, and Toronto fighting and Houston fighting for three spots. Seattle then went 12 and 16 the rest of the way and did not make the playoffs. When you don't make the playoffs, which happened to me 17 out of 18 years, you do a press conference at the end of the year and you own it and you wear it. I would sit there with our GM and we would talk to the media, which is like talking to our fans. We would talk about the season, what went wrong, what went right, and what our hopes and dreams were for the next season whatever they were. We're looking at retooling. We're looking at gaining roster flexibility. We're looking at gaining payroll flexibility. We're looking at being a big spender. Whatever your strategy is, when you do the postseason, we failed press conference, there's a certain number of things that you don't do. A, you don't stay silent. 
B, you don't make excuses. You have to own what happened during the course of that regular season. But you do it in a way which gives your fans hope, which lets your fans believe, hey, we got this. We have a plan. But you don't do it in a way where you're making your fans feel stupid and saying something that is so beyond the pale that if it had been workshopped by anyone in PR with the Mariners, they all deserve to never work in PR again. And if Tupoto did not workshop it, then he deserves to be fired for what he said. I want to play you just 30 seconds of his press conference, and then I'm going to take a beat because you are not going to believe what you hear. Coca? Back and you look in a decade, those teams that win 54% of the time always wind up in the postseason, and they more often than not wind up in World Series. If what you're doing is focusing year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year, you might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor and <laughs> asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. OMG, it's so good. We are actually doing the fans a favor. There's nothing that fans like better when you tell them that, hey, we're doing you a favor by flying privately. We're doing you a favor by raising our ticket prices. We're doing you a favor by not signing this free agent and letting that guy go. We're doing you a favor by buying at the deadline or selling at the deadline. Hey, just showing up is doing you a favor because we're providing you with entertainment. All of which may be true, but you don't say it. Everybody who does things that entertain us is doing us a favor. Tom Cruise jumping off the side of a mountain, jumping out of a plane, that's doing me a favor. I just don't want to hear from him. Hey, I made $25 million. I'm now worth a couple bill. And I did you a favor by jumping out of that plane. Nah, let's keep it unsaid. Jerry Depoto said, we're doing you a favor. And his theory is, we're not going to be the team that every year is trying to win the World Series because we believe that we want to have sustained success. Horse hockey. You haven't had any success. Why don't you get success and then work on the sustaining part? Fans who've never seen a World Series championship the way they haven't in Seattle, do you think that they want to hear that, oh, we've got the patient approach? I've been here since 2016. And I've won more than I've lost in the regular season. That's why I keep getting extensions. Don't you love me? I love you. A bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. I think he should have taken the stage and said, listen, before the season started, I told you that this team was going to be in the playoffs. I told you this team was going to be competing for a World Series this year. And guess what? We didn't. My bad. We're back at it right now. Now, one of my players, Cal Raleigh, may have said that ownership needs to spend, may have called us out for not adding enough and not being all in. So instead of being upset with my player and calling him out publicly, why don't I explain to you, the fans, why we didn't go, quote unquote, all in? Because going all in feels really good when you do it, but then it totally screws you going forward because I know exactly what my budget is for the next three years. But just because we don't go all in, does not mean we're not going to win the World Series because that is the goal every single year. 
the goal to win 54% of your games? Give me a break. They've made the postseason one time since 2002. Oh, but they've won 50%, 54% of the games in a decade. That's like people telling me, David, the Marlins never win their division. They just win the World Series. And? I'm sorry. I may have misunderstood. What does the ring look like when you win your division? Oh, it's a nice banner that you put up in the ballpark. Feels good. Where's the ring? The Mariners, one time since 02. Last year, they got through the wild card. And then remember, they got swept in the division series 3-0 by the Astros, who would go on to win the World Series. And then the Mariners made some changes, added to the offense, so they thought, all leading to them missing the playoffs and all leading to that press conference. The owner of the Mariners has to look at that press conference and say, you know what? Uh, we have a small problem here. We have a communication problem because my GM mistakenly thinks that I'm interested in winning 54% of the games as though he was taught by Reinsdorf. That is not my interest. My interest is in postseason appearances that turn into rings. If I'm the owner of the Mariners, I am taking the podium and saying that. I want to acknowledge the fans. I want to acknowledge what they do and how important they are to us. We're doing you a favor. You know what the favor is? I figured it out. Here's a good favor. When a player gets hurt and they agree to rehab, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for the honor of doing that favor. Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee yesterday and made it sound like he was doing the whole world a favor because he had the key to the secret sauce. Aaron Rodgers, who's busy calling out Mr. Pfizer, Travis Kelsey, making fun of his proclivities to get vaccines, I guess. Mr. Rogers, actually, I don't ever want to call him Mr. Rogers. He is not Mr. Rogers. There is Fred Rogers, and then there's everybody else. Aaron, as you know, anti-vax, pro-ayahuasca, pro-darkness, pro-spiritual healing. The irony of Aaron Rodgers being anti and anti-science is that he went public yesterday that he is using science to get better faster than anybody's ever gotten better from an Achilles injury, and he's going to come back this season and play. A typical recovery is six to nine months for a torn Achilles. But they're saying, hey, it could be four to five in this case for Aaron Rodgers because he's way ahead of schedule. And he went ahead and told you all the things that he's ahead of schedule doing. He's out of a boot. He's in a boot. He's walking. He's not walking. He's smiling. He's not smiling. Of course, he was going to be at the game when Taylor Swift was there, and then he was going to disappear again. All this tracks to who Aaron is. But he had a great quote on McAfee. It made me smile. When asked about whether he would play this season, he said, my plan is to, quote, attack this rehab as hard as we can and then see where we're at in a couple months. Obviously, I'd like us, meaning the Jets, to be alive and winning for that, even being in the conversation. But I don't think it hurts at all, wait for it, 
to put that, meaning coming back this season, into word of the day alert, or should have been word of the day, the manifestation zeitgeist. Would you stop trying to sound so intellectually superior, man? You're trying to manifest health. No, you're using science to get healthy. You're putting it out there and being positive. I get it. I've been around a lot of sick people. Frame of mind, it totally matters. When you've got cancer, when you've got a disease, frame of mind matters. When you have a torn Achilles, frame of mind does not matter. Showing up to rehab and working rehab and hopefully being a quick healer, that matters. And putting out there, manifesting, coming back this season with the caveat, if our team is winning and in it, knowing that the Jets will not be winning and in it. There is no scenario under which Aaron Rodgers is going to come back this season. It makes no sense. If I'm the Jets, I'm not even letting him come back. I'd love him to be on the sideline, clipboard, maybe backing up Jordan Love. It's a joke. I know Jordan Love's not the quarterback for the Jets. It's a reference to the Packers. Come on, stay with me. When Aaron Rodgers was not going to be let go, and he was going to back up. The threat was he'd back up Jordan Love. Come on, that was a callback. I'd like to see him as part of the Jets because he can make Zach Wilson better. And Zach Wilson had a great game against the Chiefs. He played better against Mahomes than any other opposing quarterback had ever played. And that's because Aaron Rodgers was there pregame and then up in the suite. It's totally ridiculous. Now Zach Wilson will have a bad game next week. And then the thought will be, oh, no, it's because Aaron wasn't here. And this is not me being personal against Aaron. If you want to be anti-vax, you want to be anti-science, have at it. It's your own business. I'm totally fine with it. But I just don't like when you mislead us. I don't like when you lie. Don't lie. You are vaccinated. You're not vaccinated. Don't lie that you're going to come back this season when you know right now as you sit here today, you're not. And how do I know? Because you're signed for next year. And the Jets, if they know anything about being in front office, and I grant you it's possible they don't. But if they do, they're not going to let you come back. So as a matter of fact, I'd like to make it an official wait to see, Coca. Let's book it. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. We'll revisit it. Aaron Rodgers will not take a snap this season for the New York Jets. Book it. Wait to see. Get excited. We got Levitard Live 9 a.m. on his YouTube channel. We've got four baseball games. Again, same schedule as yesterday, starting at 3 with the Rays and Rangers. That's what I'll be doing. What are you going to be doing? See you tomorrow at 8 a.m. It's just business. This is nothing personal.